Welcome back. It's yet another week and yet another episode of the Bucket Seat Podcast. This one is going back to almost two months ago when I had the pleasure of speaking with Addie Desai, the editor-in-chief of DoubleClutch.ca. Addie has a ridiculous collection of cars, he co-hosts his own automotive podcast, and is generally a source for endless automotive conversation, in a good way. What I loved about our conversation is how Addie has his finger on the pulse of new cars in North America, but he's also quick to give you a history lesson on old Benzes, Hondas, and Lexuses. Lexuses. Maybe is the plural Lexi? Anyways, ask Addie. And maybe that should be a new component of your show, Addie, on the Double Clutch podcast. Okay, so enough from me now. Settle in and enjoy episode 55. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne, and this is the Bucket Seat Podcast. None of that will make it on to the show. Uh, but what will is the fact I'm lucky enough to have here a gentleman that we've been coordinating this for quite some time together. I think it's been a year since we actually touched base with each other originally to now finally sitting here across from each other. Um, and I have the pleasure of welcoming Addy Desai to the show. So Addy's one of the founders. He's the editor-in-chief. He's also sometimes a photographer for DoubleClutch.ca magazine. Um, which is a media outlet here in Canada that are on an extensive search for and review of new cars, motorcycles, and automotive news. And on top of the site, Addy and his team also host their own bi-weekly podcast by the same name of Double Clutch. And he just happens to be a car geek to boot. Our, all of our American listeners will love that pronunciation. So revel, enjoy that. So welcome to the show, Addy. Thanks for having me. Um, it, it's great to have you here. And I do have to say it's a side note, but you're the second podcast host that I've had on the show. So it's it's kind of, it's fun to finally have that kind of camaraderie with other people oh, that great. are doing shows. Yeah. Um, 53, 54 episodes later, I've had two other hosts. And the Sammy Hadjassad would be one. Oh my God. Oh, is I'm, it? I'm, you know, what's funny is that I was, um, so I was including you and Sammy and I just, just dawned on me as we were talking about Radwood. I was like, holy shit, how can I forget Lane Skelton from oh, the right, Driving, yep. Driving Well Awesome podcast as well? Um, not to name drop Sammy and Lane, but we just did. Um, so I'm Hi, happy. Sammy. <laughs> hey, Sammy. Hey, Lane. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoy this season three of the Bucket Seat Podcast. And I want to have both of you on. Actually, your, the plan is for both of you to be in this. So listen to your episodes soon, too. Um, and so now I'm finally making the rounds. I'm, I'm going to be on uh, the Double Clutch Podcast tomorrow which is very cool um you will but be tomorrow a, you mean a month ago because yeah a this month episode ago. your episode is gonna ask, air way later than ours that's right yeah. it's uh there's like a, a bit of back to the future happening right yeah. now um and you were very kind to invite me onto your show which i'm very excited about as well and it's the first podcast appearance for me outside of my own show so oh, that's cool um i really like that there's a very crude a uh, very crude phrase that i could use but i won't um, I'll leave that to everyone's imagination. So why don't we start off with a bit of a summary or a background of what um, of what Double Clutch is? So how do you play a role in it? Who's involved in it? What is what is Double Clutch? So we basically started out uh, six and a half-ish years ago um, in 2012. As a group of guys, we were really, really into cars. Um, and we were just, we liked reading all the Canadian all the Canadian coverage. And obviously we're car guys. We grew up reading stuff like car and driver motor trend. And we just wanted to get technical 
and no one else was doing the technical. Everyone was doing the consumer oriented. Yeah. Um, we want to do the, te- the technical from an enthusiast point of view. Um, and we started, uh, we, we somehow convinced a couple automakers to give us cars and, uh, (laughs) you know, six and a half years later, here we are, we've pretty much driven everything and we are fortunate enough to get access to pretty much anything out there. And, um, we publish, uh, five new car reviews a week, one for every weekday, uh, which translates to a one hell of a lot of cars uh, tested in a year. But the best part of it all is that we get to get the message across to to potential buyers, what to, what to look for, what to avoid and what's better than what else. And the reality is it's pretty hard to make a crappy car nowadays. It's true. And I do have to admit though, we talked about it a bit earlier is the caliber of cars that you guys are getting access to is staggering. Um, you yeah, really it's been have, a good year. you have, you know, and you're running the full gamut of, um, from an economy car. I mean, we call it an economy car now. I mean, still cars are expensive no well, matter what, but just, just, just three months ago, or no, sorry, not three months ago, two months ago, we had, uh, we were all together. We were testing some cars in the parking lot. I pulled up in a 2019 Audi R8 Spider V10 and my colleague Ben pulled up in a 2019 Nissan Kicks. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Which is 17,998. And I'm not kidding you, Trevor. There was more interest in the kicks because everyone was losing their minds as to how good it is at the price point it is. Because everyone knows the R8 is a damn good car. Yeah. There's nothing new there. And it's for a, a long time they have. fantastic car. But, yeah. but the kicks, was you expect it to be a piece of shit. But it's <laughs> yeah. not. It's, yeah. it's it's absolutely the opposite of a piece of shit. Huh. So it's, it's yeah, we, we test everything from the, we just had the base Nissan Micra at 9998 bucks like two weeks ago. Oh, that's amazing. Well, so, and yeah. you know what? I, I have to admit, I've... I've never driven a Micra. I've never driven the Kicks either, but uh, I've never driven a Micra, but there's something to be said about a vehicle that can have uh, its own one make uh, race series yeah, in oh, a exactly. country like Canada that you can run the Micra Cup and, you know, cage and put and, some great sticky tires on. And not only is the Micra not dog shit, it's kind of quick. It's kind of quick. It's decent to drive. It's somewhat comfortable and you get a full warranty for under 10 grand. I love it. Okay, well, listen, I mean, I, I can tell that you're an automotive journalist just by the passion that you talk about each of these cars and you know them so well, like, you know, them yeah. inside and out kind of but embarrassed about that before we get too far down that hole. Um, I want to start where I do with all of my guests for at least that have been on for the show for the first time, which is the beginning. And so in the beginning, I always like to know what it was that got you into cars. So what was it that inspired or hooked you? So my grandparents, uh, when I was one or two, gave me a 143 scale uh, Porsche 964 model. Uh, it was a not to be specific at all or anything. No, it was a it was a silver <laughs> 911 Cabriolet. Yep. And uh, I still have it somewhere. It's in my parents' house. It's completely nice. destroyed, yep. as one-year-olds and two-year-olds do with cars. Of course. And uh, I know growing up, uh, my uncle had a uh, couple of W126 Mercedes-Benzes, 300 SDs, 560 SELs, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just used to love the intricacies of, of cars. And my parents will still tell people stories. You know, people come over and they're like, oh, we haven't seen you in 25 years. You used to love cars. Do you still love cars? <laughs> That's the one thing people remember about me that I used to just point out cars as they went by or from a apartment building window, just looking at them down, down on the street. It's kind of where it started. Did you ever play the game either with yourself or I don't know if you have siblings or friends? Uh, for me, I don't have any friends. I think the, the, I I think the moment when I realized I was really into cars was, uh, when I was challenging myself, I was in the backseat of my dad's, uh, TJ, uh, TJ, YJ, TJ Jeep. 
looking in the rearview mirror or in the side mirror at night and trying to identify cars in by pitch black just by the shape of the headlights. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I know that's not an uncommon thing, but I, it, it was the moment when I realized, holy shit, I think I'm way too into cars. Um, but it's typically served me fairly well. Did you do that? Were you ever into that? I, I knew I was way too into cars. I have a very weird story about how I knew. I was at the Toyota Museum uh, through four, four or five years ago in California, mm-hmm. and they have a bunch of, you know, first of this, first of that, everything from Supras to beige 95 Camry station wagons. Right. And I distinctly remember that they advert, they had this car and they said this was the first 97 Toyota Camry, which was the fourth gen, I guess. This is the first one. And I actually went up to the guys and I said, you're wrong. This is a 99. <laughs> and they're like, no, there's no way. And I was in fact right. No and the kidding. only reason I knew that is because the 99s removed the antenna, a stationary antenna and integrated into the rear windshield. And that is, the, and, and when I knew, when I knew that I was almost ashamed to admit that I knew that. Wow. But oh my the, God. Did they walk you out immediately just out of shame? No, but they actually <laughs> updated the, the car to say this is in fact a 99 and not a 97. I feel like they should credit you on that. I, I feel like I'm owed some money by Toyota. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not often that a manufacturer gets their own product wrong. I mean, kudos to you. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So what was the first car that you ever owned? A 99 Toyota Camry. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. It was a hand-me-down. Knew it. But it was a 99 Toyota Camry. <laughs> okay. And then the question that follows that is often different, sometimes the same, but what was the first car that you purchased yourself? Uh, Chrysler Intrepid RT. Interesting. Uh, it was, so you know what? It wasn't a voluntary purchase. Okay. I was driving the Camry. It was ratty. It was a hand me down. Mm -hmm. Uh, my dad used to work corporate for Loblaws and he had a car, a company car and every 18 months or something, the cars would come off lease. And it was either I take his 18 month old or two year old or something like maximum car with like no mileage on it for something like 2,500 bucks. And so it had a 3.5 liter V6 engine, 250 horsepower, had a sunroof. It was reasonably quick. Uh, It had the RT badge. And and, and so, yeah, so I, (laughs) so I, so I took that and I, we dumped the Camry, sold it to a family friend and I, uh, that, that the the Intrepid was my first and you know what they say, you never forget your first. (laughs) I love it. I love how, I love how comfortable you are in front of a microphone as well. This is so good because oftentimes everybody, everybody clams up, but Addy, I like this. So, um, I want, I'm going to keep going with this line of questioning for you now. Did you ever tinker with cars? Not really. Um, little things, but last week I did a cabin air filter on my Lexus and I was quite proud of myself. There you go. Here's the thing. And I think I've heard this on your podcast before, but engineers are paid a lot of money to design cars and work on them. (laughs) I just drive them and I enjoy them. Uh, I don't know how to do very much on them. I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I completely understand. And although I think a few of my guests may very heavily debate that with you, I'm kind of in your camp. I mean, there's a lot of things that I love doing with a car and I love to tinker and kind of just modify smaller amounts of the car. But then you talk to somebody like Sasha from uh, Mountain Pass Performance, who's re-engineering suspension componentry for all of Tesla's. Um, or you look at like a Dan or a Pat Sear from Sirius Garage Works, who's literally recreating cars uh, other than, yep. you know, framework and, um, well, frame and body that he's also doing. And they're creating some incredible things that oh, make it's me amazing. very happy. Um, I'm glad they're doing those things and I'd like to trust them with 
right. what my and then hopes, let me dreams, drive and desires. It and I'll yeah. appreciate it. Exactly. Okay, my favorite question I like to ask everyone, what was the cool car everyone had to have when you were in high school? Riced out Civics. Riced out Civics. Okay. I mean, that's and what now, that was con- what was considered cool. I didn't consider it cool. Well, what did you consider cool when you were uh, when I you were in I, high school? A stock Civic. Okay. Like even today, okay. you see like a mid nineties so anything Japanese that's just minty that should have rusted out because of our where we live. Yeah. Uh, and you see it without without any rust. You're like, oh, that's really nice. So when everyone was modifying all these the Japanese all these import cars, you I'm looking at the ones that are clean in stock. Yeah. Not which even is, Civics necessarily, but which know. is a, an interesting rarity in its own because seeing them here a they've they've fought the rust and they they have somewhat won or are yep. winning but they also fought the crazy aftermarket that basically ripped these cars apart and sold them for parts just yeah, because when was the last they time were you saw desirable. a nissan 240sx that wasn't completely molested you know what i'm just gonna hot tip to anybody listening and you know the neighborhood i live in there are two in my neighborhood that are owned by old people elderly elderly uh, an elderly gentleman and an elderly woman and i looked in the window at one of them the other day and it is so minty and it's a um god was it it's a chuki the uh, 91 92 generation with the flip-up headlights still um always allow it is it is so so mint and it's manual um it has a black well it's a kind of a dark cloth interior still but they're they're still out there it's yeah. crazy. I mean, mine, I, I owned a, a 91. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Um, bought from an original owner, um, female driver. I've told the story a million times on the podcast, but uh, it was it was truly, a, a it was one of those finds that you that nobody believes you. It's like the fish story. It's like, you know, the fish was this big. Um, it was a female owner. Uh, she had a uh, Formula Ford car. Uh, she had a 350Z that she had track built. Wow as a dedicated track car and the 240 was her daily that she babied it had like a jim wolf tuned ecu and nissan wow. motorsport components before nismo existed yeah. um all kinds of really fun stuff all great bracing um and i just took it and kind of refreshed it and ended up selling it to a kid who wanted to swap it and swapped it and then wrapped it around a tree and it's gone it's I, gone. I had a 240 and whenever i say that's like s13 s14 s13 yeah volvo Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Not the brick, yeah. Um, that, 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 no, that's what I had. I had a brick. Yeah, you had the yeah, brick. Yeah, I had right, a brick, yeah, the yeah, 240 yeah. deal. Every time someone's like, oh, cool, you had a, you had a 240? Yeah, the S13? No, 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 it was, it was the brick. It was the Volvo. But you know what? The whole Swede speed thing is very cool in my books, too. We yep. had a, a V70 um, for us, for our family here for a while, the wagon, which I loved very much. I wanted the R, but... Um, they still hold a pretty premium price in the F. Sorry, yeah. In the, oh, the um, V70R is worth a lot of money, and they're yeah. really unreliable. Yeah, there's so much. Even mine was, uh, motor was great. Um, lots of awesome upkeep on the vehicle yeah. itself, but I didn't do enough research before I bought it and didn't realize the transmission problems they have when they're an automatic transmission, and the thing just totally ate itself. So, anyways, we won't talk about that because it's a sore spot in this family. And now we have an Outback. Yay. <laughs> so, um, what is your daily driver or stable of dailies today? Um, daily or toys? Uh, daily, then toys. Okay. Uh, I have a 2004 Lexus LS430 Ultra Luxury. Um, I've heard about this. My, my logic is because I drive press cars, I want to say 70% of the time it, it could be a hundred, but I really, really just need 
palate cleansers, which is my own car. Yeah. And um, so I, I can't justify having any more money tied up into a daily. So mm-hmm. um, I, it's got all, it's got everything like power soft closed doors, uh, Alcantara headliner, heated and cooled and massaging seats, fridge in the back. I was going to say it has like a champagne fridge yep, in it, doesn't it? It's got it? a champagne yeah. fridge, rear yeah. seats recline, like four zone or three zone air uh, climate control. And like, everything works? Everything works. That's yeah, wild. Everything works. Um, it was my buddy's mom's car. And uh, then my buddy drove it for a couple of years. It's only seen one winter. And uh, now it will see every winter. So I just put a, <laughs> right. a brand new set of winter tires on it. And uh, it's it's ready to rock. It's hard to believe in Canada that cars don't see. There there are a lot of cars that don't see well, winter. And I think that's a big misconception. This car went to Florida. For, so she would vacation. So she would actually, it's got kilometers because it would get. Oh, she'd it, drive it down. Yeah, it would get driven down to Florida, spend the yeah. winter in Florida, and then come back up. So. Um, cool. but yeah, it's black on black. It replaced an LS 400 that was beige and right. But yeah, I, 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 I like it cause it's reliable. Okay. So that's your daily. What are the toys? Uh, I've got a low mileage 2004 Honda S2000. Nobody likes those. Nobody likes those. They <laughs> suck. Is it yellow? <laughs> it is yellow. Oh, it is real yeah. yellow pearl. Yeah. Uh, like one of 65 brought into Canada in that color. What is it? I, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to go back to my, my Honda fanboy years. Uh, AP2. Yeah. If the first year of the AP2 and 05 or 06 went to drive by wire. So this mm. is still cable throttle, oh, Cool. Yeah. but it's, so it's the one you want with the mm-hmm. good engine, but the cable throttle. So awesome. um, completely stopped. Uh, the only thing I've done is put a set of Michelin Pilot 4S's on it for autocross and racetrack. Beautiful. And uh, that's it's basically the track the track toy, and mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. enjoy it when I can. It's a summer cruiser. Very cool. I love those cars very yeah. much. I'm, I often find myself on Auto Trader and Kijiji just going through the listings trying to find them. I mean, they're, they're out there. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's well, one the story of those with cars. this one is it was a good friend's car, and uh, he passed away, and uh, mm-hmm. his wife uh, decided that she wanted the car to go to a good home. So I got a fantastic deal on it and uh, I'll probably never let it go. Yeah, that's and, a good call. Yeah. And I've also got a uh, 1988 Mercedes-Benz 560 SEL mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, that's mm-hmm, been mm-hmm. fully, it's pretty minty now. I bought it as a basket case and I went through pretty much everything. And by went through, I don't mean myself. I have a great German mechanic that refreshed the entire engine and uh, wow. got a lot of body work done. So it doesn't have a speck of rust on it anywhere. Amazing. And, uh, oh my God, wow. Yeah. What color is it? It's black with the AMG monoblock wheels, period uh, correct. God, that looks so good. I love those. Yeah. And no, it may or awesome. may not be slammed. <laughs> not completely slammed, but it's dropped a little bit. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it's just dro- dropped a little bit, monoblock wheels and uh, tinted windows, and that's all I've done. <sighs> that's awesome. That's all it's ever going to get. Oh, it's got a pretty serious audio system in it. I mean, it's kind of the, it's the prerequisite for yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that those are not awful toys to have. No, I love them. They're too very, they both get stored in the winter. They never see rain or snow, but so good. And I mean, and I think it's important for anybody listening to know too, that the way that automotive journalists in Canada work is a lot different than in the U S which is Canadian journalists don't have cars delivered to them yeah, in Canada. Them up. You got to go pick them up and then yep. your car sits in a lot while you're driving the others. Yep. So yeah. So you need to have something. That's that you're what I had my cool Volvo with. 240 for. It yeah. was my leave behind. Right. But it was yeah. my $900 leave behind. And, but yeah, no, I do. I, I enjoy my toys and uh, I have my daily that I actually like driving now. So that's great. It's phenomenal to be able to have those. And I'm, and I find I, I've got a good balance between the SDI is fun. It's a daily, but we've also got the Outback, which is fun because it can kind of go. And I don't have to worry about the it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My, okay, kids, good for you. my kids love being in that car. You know what you and, need though? What's that? You need like a 944 and put your kids in the back. Oh, uh, totally. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> believe me, I'm thinking of lots of other options now that my uh, employment situation is changing, which 
may or may not be a dig to anybody listening. I'm kidding. Um, okay, so we were talking before just about the difference between uh, Canadian and American automotive journalists. So it's clear, and we touched on it at the beginning of the show, that you are an automotive journalist. And so um, by the looks of your Instagram account, which I, I, I will definitely encourage everybody to listen to, and we will uh, we'll shout it out at the end of the show too, and where everybody can find you. Um, you're, you're all over the press launch and kind of tour circuit. Um, and I say that meaning that, uh, for anybody who's listening, you know, there is a very particular set of launches that happen every year for every manufacturer that a handful of journalists are lucky enough to be able to be invited on to go out by the manufacturer. And that's typically what you're doing a lot of. Yep. Um, so what have been some of the highlights so far as a journalist when it comes to that part of the job? Um, so it, it's not all glamour. It is, we are very fortunate. We get to go to some of the coolest places in the world, drive the coolest cars. And every trip is basically a road trip from point A to point B with, you're partnered with another, with a, uh, journalist from another outlet and you just drive together and you evaluate the car, you stop for photos and you end up somewhere either back where you started or, uh, at a new destination. And probably my highlight was I was lucky enough to do a, um, 10 day, uh, Empower Euro tour. Oh, wow. Uh, started in Munich at the BMW Velt and, mm-hmm. uh, took delivery. It was basically, we joined, I was the only media that joined a customer event. So oh, it was cool. people who actually had bought the first M2s. So they were doing European delivery. Yeah. So they did those. Euro delivery oh, at the Velt. Cool. And I had a press car for that trip. They gave me an M4 competition, Whoa, but, nice. but they like, they've, it was like a fake Euro delivery. So I took delivery of my car in the Velt and it was like, I, I experienced the whole thing and we drove through uh, 10 cities, 10 nights and finished in Monaco on formula one. Oh my God. That sounds and so it was awful. just, it was, so it was awful. terrible. Yeah, you know, I awful. slummed it. Somebody yeah. had to do it. Yeah. But you know, it was, it was amazing. It was the trip of a lifetime. You know, we ate like, you're just sitting in Lake Como eating pasta. That's just freshly made. It's, and then the next day you're Fuck in the Austria. Fuck the fresh pasta. You're in. You're at Lake Como. <laughs> but 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 the pasta was so good, man. No, I hear that. I hear that. I there's love, a point I where I got food. I got lost, and uh, the navigation system in the car just was malfunctioning, and and I got lost, and I ended up at this random side street outside of Milan, and I there's this little village, and there's just this sign. It looked like a rundown convenience store, but the sign said fresh pizza. In English. Okay. So I went in and it was like a euro to buy a slice of pizza and I, it was the best pizza I've ever had. And I'll never find it again. And everyone, like it was this little village and no one was really well off. So all the kids started losing their minds over the secure orange M4. Oh, and wow. I was letting is, these is that kids orange color too? Oh yeah, it was black, oh, it was... black wheels, black trim? Yes. Oh fuck, that thing is crazy. But then I got to also drive it on the Formula One circuit. Oh, yeah, no, that, that, that sounds it like it. It was a, cool. Okay, I'm not going to talk about the highlights anymore. <laughs> Lowlights. There's got to be some of those. Um, I mean, what are the less than glamorous parts of the job? You're always on deadline. The work never stops. Mm-hmm. Um, the car industry never stops. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I... There's, there's an analogy in there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and there's... there's uh, Tonight, as soon as I get home from recording your podcast, it'll be probably 11 o'clock p.m. by the time I get home and I know that there is a news story that needs to be filed that I know for a fact needs to go up tonight so I'm going to mm-hmm, be at my mm-hmm. desk for an hour right so it's yeah. it, that never stops um I know that people think that journalists you know we they get we get to fly oftentimes we get to fly business class and it's great and all but when you spend you know when you fly 50 to 100,000 miles a year or more 
that's time you're away from your family. That's time you're away from your home. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're in cool places, but there are times when I would rather be at home and just with my family or with my fiance than uh, driving whatever it is. And no matter what, I mean, Monaco driving an M4. I mean, I, there are times I'd sure. rather be home. You know? But it's different than driving the latest Citroen Cactus, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the Citroen Cactus. I saw it when I was in France. I was I like, wow, what know. a fucking crazy car. Uh, yeah, you don't really want to be on the launch for that necessarily. But I mean, I think I would. I it, think it would be kind of it funny. Is, it is peculiar. I mean, it is a bit of the European Aztec kind of I went all the it. way to Vancouver to drive a Mitsubishi Outlander plug-in for about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I've heard that some of the drives are quite short. Like, you know, even some of the, some yeah, of the performance stuff We got a story out of it, and that story did really well traffic-wise and generated a lot of revenue. But, yeah. like, you think about that. So you went all the way to Vancouver... And you drove this car for 30 minutes in the rain. You had to take photos in the rain. like <laughs> Sounds like Vancouver. And then, yeah. And then you've got to write a story immediately and beat ever, all the other outlets to doing it to, you know, be at the top of Google rankings and all that kind of stuff. That yeah. All the uh, different kind of things that come into play there, all the different factors. And it, it, it it's tough. It's, it's, it's the race to the top constantly. Yeah. yeah. yeah the first, perks are great. Yeah. Right. Cool cars all of the course. time. But yeah, cool cars all the time. Yeah, the the travel side of it has got to be a bit exhausting, and I'm sure you wake up a lot of the times. I I don't I do a little bit of travel with work, yeah. and there have definitely been occasions where you know you wake up in your hotel room going, "What fucking city am I in again?" Yeah, I mean, I sound like we're some sort of you know rock stars or something. No, it's we sound like complete like assholes that, but, for saying this, but uh, no, I I agree with you. Yeah, but it's part of the grind, and yep. I certainly don't travel business class, which makes things a little bit different. Um, but. Uh, at the same point, um, what, I think the benefit for you guys doing that is you're expected to get there and work. And I, I've also heard that oftentimes when you arrive, you're literally being picked up and you're going to a drive. Yep. Like you're going to the actual yep. event itself. So it's not like you're, you know, lazily making your way to the hotel, uh, you know, in your in your executive suite overlooking no. Lake Como before you go out and do a drive for two days. No, now, like the grind and the turnaround is pretty quick. Oh, it's, it's, it's stupid fast. Uh, and I think that's important. And I wrote this down kind of when we were, uh, when I was preparing for this and um, knowing that there are probably a lot of people out there who look at your work and read all of the, read all, uh, um, kind of all of your opinion on everything that's happening and see all these amazing cars and they might hear these stories, which obviously in a lot of cases are the highlights. Yep. Um, but the harsh reality of being an automotive journalist is also that it is, um, it is full of other things that are not so glamorous. Yeah, um, absolutely. In terms of the least glamorous of destinations that you've done so far, what would you say that is? Um, least glamour? It was still a very interesting trip. Yeah. Uh, we just did the uh, highway to Tuk to Yuk-Tuk in the Northwest Territories. Oh, wow. Ended up right at the base of the Arctic Circle. Oh, so that's a great example of least glamorous, but very, yep. very interesting. Yeah, like... Sorry, it, what were you driving? Uh, Chevy Silverado. The 2019 Silverado. So cool. I mean, trucks. God, it, trucks are so far out of my wheelhouse. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a it's it's a car that a lot of consumers buy. So it was a very very important review. It's, it was one that we had to do. It was a lot of flying to get there. Yep. I mean, I could have I in the amount of time it took me from Toronto to get to Inuvik to get in the trucks. I flew to India in less to Mumbai last year in less time. That's crazy. So, but yeah, it was it was it was a, it was a pain in the ass to get to, but you're in this village of a few hundred people 
and the, everyone is so welcoming. But I mean, there's no glamour, right? Like, I mean, yeah. these people don't have the infrastructure to have, there's no Marriott at the airport in Inuvik. For what it's worth, there's no security at the airport in Inuvik. Yeah. I'm not making that up. Yeah, no. You my, just walk onto the plane. Yeah, my, excuse me, my father spent about 10 years um, in the far north of Canada and yeah. in all of his stories, he, he definitely yeah. recalled all of that with So it's me. not glamorous, but I, I almost feel bad saying it's, it's not a low light. Like when yeah, I say, I right, think that yeah, I'm yeah. just, all I'm emphasizing the, that it's a, it's a, it wasn't a low light, but that's just standing out. Cause I, I did it like last month. No, I think so. it's, that's the perfect answer to the question of the least glamorous. Yeah. Um, definitely not a low light. Um, that's the cold weather adventures in Canada are some of the things that it's on my list of wanting to do them just to say that I've done them also because my dad, yeah. my dad was big into it. And, um, you know, he spent a lot of time up there. He loved yeah. them. He loved the North. And he always talked about the manufacturer that's able to get up there is going to be the one that wins. And I always thought, and I know all manufacturers think the same thing, which is there just aren't any people up there. Yeah. Well, for, for me, it was like this year in 2018, I went to the easternmost part of Canada. I was in Newfoundland and Labrador. Then I went to Nanai, uh, sorry, to Tofino, the westernmost point yep. and BC. And then I was at Point Pili. How do you pronounce it? Point Pili. Pili. Point Pili. Pili? Yeah, yeah. The most southern okay. point. Southernmost point. Yep. And then I was in Tuk Tuk in 2018. Phenomenal. I saw, I, and, I, and I saw all the oceans of the world. It's kind of like, which hey, is great. hey, manufacturer PR people, we get that you want to do the extremes. They've been done yeah. now. Okay. I got to do one more circuit of something else now before yeah. we go back to those. Yeah. Point Pili is pretty cool. It's actually it was cool. Not it was very, very cool. Not very far at all from also where I grew up. Also for a truck. Oh, for a truck it too. A, it was a Ram 1500. Oh, and that island is so tiny. Yeah. Uh, the ferry, I got the caught. The ram on, barely fit on it. <laughs> I got yeah. caught on that ferry when I was very young with my grandfather in an epic storm uh, that we barely made it actually back to shore on. It was, oh, dear. Uh, yeah, it was terrifying. Uh, also, probably why I hate water so much these days. Um, okay, so back to uh, the automotive journalism side of things. And again, kind of helping maybe a budding journalist out there that might be listening to the show. In terms of your process, so, you know, how far in advance do you find that you're writing and prepping material um, for, for Double Clutch? And, you know, kind of what's your workflow or process like if you just do, do like a high level of how things happen, what the sequence is? Okay. Uh, we book a car, often two to three months out. Sometimes there's a last minute squeeze in that we need to do. But uh, today I, we're, we're sitting on the sixth day of November and I just booked a car for the beginning of February earlier today. Um, it's a week booking yep. and, uh, the car's booked, we have a date. So as soon as I get it, the car's in my hand, I'll start taking notes. I'll start driving it. And, uh, usually I have finished writing my review four or five days after I've returned the car okay. and it'll run within a month of that okay, on the yeah. site. So at any point on the magazine, we've got a backlog of, they're all scheduled on the back end of the site. We've got about 30 to 35 reviews ready to go. And well, it's one amazing. per day. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the workflow. And when we have the car during that Monday to Monday period, the photos get taken and, you know, it gets evaluated and it gets driven. If there's other members of the team that need to need to drive it for, for just for context. Like if I've got a Subaru Forester and uh, someone else is driving a Honda CRV, then maybe we'll trade for a day and say, OK, yeah. let me try that. And you try this and, you know, see, see, see what happens there. Right. And so now when you're talking about your daily cadence, um, how many how many are on the team? Uh, there are six of us that are writing regularly and wow. we do yeah. four to five cars a week. So one or two of us is always driving our own car. Gotcha. Or is stealing something from somebody else for a day or two. <laughs> nice. Nice. I like it. Um, okay. So it's a big question, but from the perspective of 
and from from the perspective of an automotive journalist, where do you see automotive journalism going? Like, what do you see as being kind of the most important part of, or maybe the most influential shift that's happening? Or is there is that even happening? Do you see it? Is it stagnating? Is it something? Is everything moving right now? There's the the, the old guard mm-hmm. in this business, yep. um, and they're they're great. They've done their time. They've yep. uh, they've done it, but they're slowly starting to retire. Or uh, the reality is, die. You know, it's happening. Uh, there, there are a lot of older guys. Um, <laughs> and, and right. They just, they won't be around very long, right? Mm-hmm. And they, or they won't be in the business for very, very much longer and we'll mm-hmm. miss them dearly. But uh, um, then there's the guys in their 40s and 50s that are still very relevant and they're doing very well for themselves as well. And there's the guys that are about our age, you know, between 26 and 40 who are killing it. And there's they're, they're in video, they're in print, uh, in web print, I mean, actual print there isn't very much of anymore right but uh which i still think there's a certain part of excuse me being a i can't believe i just belched into the microphone uh there's a certain part of being a writer and having an opinion on something that it must be gratifying being in, in print? print magazine. Um, and, and you and I both know that like print's going away, but it's still cool to see your name in print. I totally agree with you. It is gratifying. Right. Um, but yeah, there's people and then there's podcasting and then there's, there's actual television and then there's, you know, there's so many different mediums and all these mediums are still very, very relevant. And yeah. there's, and I'm, I'm in a, I'm in an online group chat with, with a bunch of young auto journalists, not the ones that I work with, but, mm-hmm. uh, competitors that were all a good group of friends. And there's a couple guys that are on YouTube there. There's a, there's a guy who's on uh, television every week mm-hmm. and there's a guy who writes for a paper and a, and a website and there's us, there's myself and my colleague Jerry are in there and we're on the web. We're doing a web magazine yep. and there's, uh, and we do the podcast as well. So there's some of everything in that chat and we jokingly call it the future of Canadian auto journalism. Yeah. And it's kind of where it is. Like print's the only thing that's going away. Everything else is here to stay. Right. Yeah. And I, on that note too, I mean, I've always, I've always agreed with that opinion that print's going away, but you know, there was one there was one instance where I was able to experience a piece of print. I mean, and if, and if, to be honest, actually on a few different occasions, I still subscribe to road track and car and driver. Really? Yeah. Because it cost me like $11. Yeah. But see, I'm so cheap. <laughs> and this was, this was one of those things that I felt like I couldn't pass it up. I'm like, yeah, okay. I mean, it's, it's more just you know for the nostalgia. The gas tank on a 560 STL is? <laughs> Wait though. Do you know what the fuel economy on an, on a 18 STI is? Is yours an 18? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, I thought you had yeah. an older one for some reason. No, no, I've got, uh, I've got the 18 STI. Okay. No, but so for yeah. all of $11, I think I got both publications. Oh, okay. Um, which is pretty funny. I like and how you nice say it like it's a deal print. for 11 you're like that's what do you pay for one issue in an airport yeah <laughs> um and so there's that but then also i was with um god where was i um shit i can't even remember and it wasn't with lawrence yap but um it was triple zero magazine and i had a chance to see it not in the hardcover but in the soft cover which is the porsche um, which is the, you know generally the celebration of everything that is porsche and it is one of the most beautiful print publications that I have it is you know it really is laid my eyes on let alone touch the you know even in the soft cover it was beautiful it is 
insanely expensive. Yes. But I think that's where it'll you know, end it up is having worth its it, place is that there will be very expensive print publications that will continue that don't need advertising revenue to be able to sustain themselves. And they become real opinion pieces and real points of view um, because people are paying for just that and not for the, and the advertising is not, you know, subsidizing all of it. But anyways, we could talk about that forever. Um, what about, so video, video seems to be, um, it's not a hot topic. It is just a topic that is relevant now. We know that the model of YouTube is becoming in, is becoming increasingly more and more difficult to, to monetize. monetize. Yep. What do you think that is there, is there a is I, there a solution to that that's viable for someone or a journalist um, to be able to make a living off of, or is it just another? another pillar that you have to support if you want to do this as a full career? Um, that's a very, very deep question. Yeah, uh, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's touch yeah. on as much as I can. Yeah. Uh, we don't do YouTube um, because we find that our demographic really does want to get into the technicals and read and look at the photos and, yep. and really kind of compare what we have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of guys out there on YouTube and, and guys, guys and girls that are out there on YouTube uh, reviewing cars. Jody Lai is one of them. that yeah. She's killing it uh, at AutoGuide. Yeah. Uh, she's been on the show. Sammy Hadjasad, he's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, also really, really making great moves in video too. Yeah, and 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 they're great. But then they also write, mm-hmm. and they work for a corporation that is that they have a budget and they they produce video. For us, um, I mean, we're independent. Um, we're independently funded, and at at the end of the day, the invest the time investment versus the return you get for, for YouTube is just not there for us. Right. And hence, we, we haven't chosen to go down that road. Um, personally, I can't really watch videos on cars. I, I get bored, but that's me. I know that's 100% a me problem, and by no means is that a knock, because if I see that, you know, I saw uh, Jody was driving the Hellcat the other week, mm-hmm. and we had the same yeah. Hellcat. She brought it by here. That's right. I, I think I saw a about, tweet or something by you. She just about knocked my head off when she, she lit it up, and she just gave it a couple of good revs outside of the house. My wife came back, and when I came back in, my wife said, was that a car? Yeah. That, oh, it sounds ridiculous. No, no, no. Court, that was... That was a Hellcat. Yeah, yeah, no, and it. it so I, I'll watch something like that. Yeah, if, if, yeah. If even just partially to support your friends, right? Because I, I like the people that are doing it, and you know, there's people out there. There's Matt Farah, yeah, who's killing it. Uh, Jeff I mean, Glucker, Hooniverse, they're killing it. Yeah, Matt found a Matt, Matt found a bit of a not a bit of a niche. He found a niche with his whole one take formula. Yeah, and he knew that post production isn't valued the same way that I think a lot of us in the industry feel it is. Exactly. Which is he would rather get out good quality content. Um, I, I I've heard him say many times the audio has to be like a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, but the video quality can be a one take and the video in video, but it was all about the pacing and, yep. and, and he needed one video a day. I think the one, ta- one takes were something that I was able to watch. And honestly, I just wanted to throw a compliment in here right now that the audio quality was one of the reasons that I was attracted to the bucket seat podcast to begin with. The first time oh, I nice. started listening, That's good. Um, I think it was because Lawrence Yap was on as well. And I like Lawrence as a friend. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I heard it. I'm like, ooh, this this Trevor guy is really producing good stuff. I really like listening to it. One man show, one man show. And I'm I'm a, I am a bit. Wait, I appreciate you mean you that. haven't Thank told you. the audience about that big editing crew that's sitting <laughs> yeah, beside us right now? Yeah, there's like there's 35 people in here right now. It's amazing how this all happens with yeah. just me. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. I I am very much. Um, 
I'm I'm very much uh, a stickler for good audio quality, and I've always said it in a lot of the projects that I work in in my day job that nobody really does audio all that well. Um, and I think I've made a bit of an impact on it with my team of people outside of this show. Working on automotive audio is a very difficult thing to do well. And so I thought if I'm going to do a podcast and I just have two people talking, I sure as hell had better make it good. Exactly. So yeah. It's gotten better. It used to be fucking awful. If anybody listens to the first 20 episodes of the show or more, later. they're awful. They're I have awful. a 45 minute awful. drive home yeah. tonight. <laughs> so, um, right. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's a topic I think we could probably talk about forever. And maybe, yeah. uh, maybe, maybe we'll move into um, some of the really fun stuff that I, I've got set here for us to talk about because... I think this, the way automotive journalism is moving is, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like there is a particular direction that we can all take. And if, if there's any merit in specializing in something and being really good at something, you guys are clearly doing that right now for yourselves and it's working. Yep. And for me, like I, I would love to be able to do video and I'd love to be able to do video extremely well. I just don't think that I can do it in between. I don't yeah. want to do it half well, I, I you know, or you compromise on anything. anything. And I get that. And so instead, it's not like I'm, you know, there are certainly times that I half-ass the podcast. I mean, because I'm not more than, you know, one person doing all of it, but I try my best at it. And I feel like if you can specialize in that, I'm like, I've got an Instagram feed that I do in black and white photography that I take myself and that's it. And I do the podcast. And that's enough for me to stay very busy in that world. Video is just such a crazy time-consuming piece yep. and beast. That, and I've uh, tried it. Yeah. I've I know tried you guys, to put you... a GoPro video of myself trying to drive a car and talk about it. I clam up on camera. You were telling me earlier about <laughs> yeah. apparently I'm good on a microphone. Yeah. I clam up like crazy on a camera. I stutter. It's 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 bad. I can't right. do it. So is it a bad time to tell you then that I've got three cameras we're all live streaming <laughs> this on Instagram right yeah, exactly. now? Yeah, sorry about that. Um, okay, so let's move into the cars. There's a few of the recent ones that um, in looking at um, doubleclutch.ca magazine that I was looking at that you had in particular reviewed and written about and photographed. It's been a good summer. The new NSX. So you just reviewed it last week. So this will be quite some time like ago. Like a month and a half, month and a half before ago. this, this yeah. podcast. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, is, it as cra- is it as crazy as expected? Is it? Is it the crazy? The car is a technological marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's very much like the GTR in the sense that it can do everything very, very quickly. It is a very easy drive to easy car to drive fast. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I think it shouldn't have been called NSX because mm, you're comparing it to the original. And it's I don't a know very you, analog experience. And you've 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 been in love with the old NSX, right? Oh God, yeah, yeah. So that's a it's car a that motor has. And all. Yeah, well, that's a car that has my heart forever. It is one of my all-time favorite cars. Likewise, yeah. The new one is cool. It's Mm -hmm. very pretty. Mm -hmm. It drives very well. It is, and the one that you that you reviewed in particular, like the color combo and wheel and, and, oh, oh, fuck, the whole thing just looks, it's just sex on wheels. Oh, and the attention it gets out on the streets reflects that. Yeah. Um, But it's it's a car that's not very, there's, it's not very, true to the original in the sense that it's not as 
analog and i know that everything is becoming more electronic and yeah it, it's producing performance because it's going electronic but mm -hmm. i'd rather have half the performance and more of an analog feel but that's just me again this car is going to sell really well yeah it is yeah because there's a niche and people are going to buy it and at two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, i mean there are obviously that's a ton of money but there are obviously a lot of other cars that are far more expensive that you could look at side I'm by gonna side. I'm going to ask you what you're going to buy for 250k. Yeah. Like if well, you were going to buy a oh 250,000 supercar, new or used. I know that's opening up a huge oh, can of worms. Yeah, yeah, we could talk about that forever. And also it's just a world that I don't ever play in often. So even at $250,000, it's kind of a it's kind of a, a figure that just doesn't really Fine, make let's say a brand lot new of then. sense to me. Um, I mean, God, like what else is, what else would you be looking at in that? You'd be looking uh, at, uh, R8, at R8, uh, uh, the Mercedes can, GT. The, oh yeah. The GTC, all, all like GTC, GTR, GTS. Yeah. Um, um, you look at a 911 Vantage, Turbo. 911 Turbos, Vantage, yep. Aston Martin Vantage. Vantage. Yeah. Um, I think you can get into like a McLaren 570S for mm -hmm. 250, mm -hmm. like okay equipped. Right. Um, I mean, I think the BMW i8, if you count it as a supercar, I think it looks yeah, crazy, I but I don't count it as a supercar. Yeah, it's still a novelty, I think, to me, even though I don't know I don't know a lot about it. Again, the supercar world is so far from what I am used to or know a lot about. But I would say, yeah, for that money, would I get the NSX? No, I wouldn't. I think that there are other far more established names in that game that I would go with. My money goes to the R8. It goes to the R8? It's kick-ass. The I, new R8 is fucking oh, sensational. The, yeah, and it... it, it the looks alone are phenomenal oh. on it. I feel like my knee jerk reaction, I would go, I would go the Porsche route because it's tried and tested and there's something yep. about it. But that's also because I've never owned a Porsche before. Every car guy needs to have a Porsche. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that could, that could be satisfied with a, with a $50,000 911 time? SC. Do we have time for a one minute Porsche story? Absolutely. Uh, in the year was 2010. Okay. 2009 or 10. And my Mazda three had just blown up. And uh, a buddy of mine uh, had said to me, let's go look at this old Porsche. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went to look at it. And it was a 1991 Carrera 4. Okay. Uh, had 105,000 kilometers on it. It was a driver, but it was immaculate. Yep. It had, uh, it was dark blue and uh, pretty base, but it had everything you need. Uh, the guy wanted uh, 11.5. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. And right. the stupid 21, 20 or 21 year old that I was, I yeah. said, eh, if it's 11 or 10 now, we'll find one for five in a few years and mm -hmm. I'll get one then. Uh, and I bought a mini. Right. And uh, my buddy bought that Carrera. Oh. And he bought it as a winter beater. <laughs> he actually Amazing. bought it as a winter beater because right. he was storing a, a Ferrari 308 that he'd bought for like 16 grand. And uh, now that Porsche is not a winter beater, obviously. And uh, that exact car, uh, he listed it for fun just to feel the waters at about $85,000. And wow. uh, and he was getting so many offers. He took it off the markets. I'm just going to sit on it for a few more years. Yeah, that's smart. I mean, the Porsche bubble is a real one. It's starting to soften a little bit when you're looking at uh, not, de definitely not on the SC prices. Fuck. I had one. I had a very similar yeah, story yeah. where it was up the street. It was, uh, it was a, an original owner had passed it to his son. Uh, son was selling it. It was like a seafoam green 911 okay. SC. And so less desirable color. Less well, see that's the thing. To some, I like. The no, I like it. I like. I like the seafoam, but you know, sorry, seafoam, yeah, yeah. but in terms of collectability, yep. for sure. Uh, I was just looking at it as a driver. I really Absolutely. wanted it. Didn't have kids. Uh, I, I think it had uh, eighty five thousand kilometers on it, and it was 
fucking immaculate. It was yeah. so beautiful. Had never seen a winter. It just been driven a lot. And it was fourteen five. And you didn't buy it. And now you're And I didn't yourself. buy it. And I remember coming back home that night after looking at it and showing it to my wife. We're laying in bed and I showed her the listing and she was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, maybe you should consider getting it. She was encouraging me to get yeah. it. And I didn't. And although now they're, you know, sure they're 40, 45, that was a decent investment that I passed oh, on. 100%. And I feel like such a fool for it now. Um, actually, on that note, what do you think? What is that? What is that car today? What would you be looking at today if you were to compare it with that 911 that you That's passed on or the one up. that I passed on that we could buy today that people are just overlooking like, meh, you know, whatever. They're not really overlooking, but like well, S2000s. They're right? going up okay. like crazy. Uh, yeah. Anything that's like mid '90s Japanese, because it's like in the '70s and sorry, in the '80s and early '90s, how the '60s muscle cars went up because like our dad's generations exactly, had yeah. disposable income and desirability. And, they started buying, and now it's the guys that are our generation that are between 30 and 45 that are getting spending money, and they're like, "Oh, I want that Supra that I really wanted in the '90s and could never afford, and now I'll buy it." Yeah. You know, I had a poster like, of one and all. I think stuff like eight series BMWs, um, mm -hmm. mid nineties, like SL 500s, SL 600s, uh, all that stuff's going up. It's funny. That's kind of why I've kept my 560 SEL. It's going to go up. The S 2000s going up. Like, Oh yeah. There's good, uh, good one to, I mean, both of those are awesome examples too. And it's funny. I mean, he's obviously a very popular example, but guys like Matt Farah, yep. you look at his Fox body Mustang that just went on, bring a trailer for $60,000 yeah. American. I mean, I know half of charity, it, half like, of it went to charity. Yeah. But um, you look at before that, his uh, his R32 Skyline. Do you think there's a certain level of like, I want Matt Farah's car oh, kind of sure celebrity? There like oh, there's a Matt sure Farah premium uh, on these cars? 100% there is. Okay. I mean, if uh, I know he doesn't listen to other uh, to other shows, he's certainly not listening to this one. But if he was, I would say, man, does he ever have an opportunity? And for me, coming from a guy who helps to build brands, he could easily be building his own uh, his own brand just based on the um, the work that goes into the cars that he owns. Yeah. And, oh, you he know, puts a lot built, of money in you know, shit. The whole idea of built by Farah, even though he doesn't build them, but, you know, it's it's his commission, essentially. Yep. That could be an entire line Have of vehicles. Have you seen that Safari 911? Yeah. yeah. so cool. Yeah. So that Safari 911, and then now he has a Countach. He, yep. just, he just bought a Countach. Just picked up a beater for himself. Yeah, good for no, him. no big deal. Um, and, uh, but he's got his eye on a lot of really good things. And he's a smart guy. Um, That's probably in terms one of, of the... my all-time dream cars. Oh, Diablo so more than Countach. But... Yeah, yeah, Diablo SV. Like that, that would oh, just yeah. be so bonkers. Yeah, oh, 100%. Or even a VT in uh, purple. Right. Oh, purple. Oh, God. Just, be so that's wild. the one car I'd own in purple. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it, but um, the guys from... Oh, why am I forgetting the name now? Is it... It's not... Uh, it's not bullet, but there was a 308 that just took CO, uh, took SEMA by storm. This build that okay. was uh, done, I want to say it was by bullet. Am uh, I the only car guy that doesn't really like the 308? Um, I I don't really like the 308 either. I don't care. I think that like I the Ferrari that I still immediately look at and say that's a Ferrari. It's a Testarossa for me. This is the but but that though. Oh that my one? god, that's pretty. Okay, yeah. that's cool. That's I can't call it pretty. That's badass. That's yeah. just that's evil. Yeah, it's a sorry button built button built. Um, I totally bastardized the name of that, but um, it, it's just phenomenal, and everybody was just going bonkers over it. But it is just such a beautiful car. Again, yeah. okay, no, that's cool. I like that three hundred eight flip up headlights. Yeah, there's something about it. Um, anyways, okay, sorry, we got so so no, sidetracked, no, and I'm gonna keep everybody's um. 
listening attention span in check here because we are, yeah, we're like, you know, we're like 45 minutes in. I'm going to ask you a couple questions about double clutch. What's next for you guys and, and what's happening? We're just um, going to continue to grow. I wish I had more of an answer, but 2019 yeah. for us is just all about growth and yep. uh, doing more of what, of the same thing, but more quantity. I like it. Yeah. Do you think that, um, will you ever increase volume beyond a one, one post a day or sorry, one article a day or one review a day? That would be nice, but that would involve booking more cars and more doing more content that's organic and yeah. the manpower is, is more. So maybe someday we'd like to, it'd be cool, but there's a finite amount of vehicle of new vehicles to, to road test. Right. Totally. So, and there's a finite amount of press launches and there, there is a ceiling on that in terms of, uh, overall content for time. Yeah. But, uh, there's, there's so much like car community stuff that we want to do and we just, we don't have the time yeah. because life gets in the way. <laughs> Fucking life. Yeah. Um, so in terms of um, your, you know, your podcast listening routine outside of what you guys are doing, um, give us your like top two. What are, what are the um, two podcasts you I listen to? I love Universe. Jeff is so organic and yeah. he's so good at what he does and he's so yeah. natural. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, that's Jeff. What up, Glucker. Jeff? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jeff's a good friend. He's, he, he knows his stuff. Um, I listen to a lot of true crime stuff. Just that's what I'm into. So uh, Criminal and uh, Canadian True Crime I'm into. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Is that a CBC podcast? The Canadian True Crime? Uh I wish I knew the answer to that. That's all good. I'm the asshole who skips the ads. My, oh my God. So I, I, do I, too. I was like, this program is brought to you soon, by, I don't care. Yeah. Soon we want me undies and Casper yeah. and blue apron. They're all like, I get it. I yeah. Get yeah. It. It's, it pays the bills. Yeah. We've got them. Too. You know what? I, I did send a message to Matt Farah when he had his Harry's razors promo on, I was yep. like, I'm going to give it a try. You know what? I've, it's been a year and a bit and I've never switched back to anything else. It's just oh, really? like, should, oh, I, yeah. should I, should I try Harry's you know razors? What? They're not, it's not like the razors are that amazing. Um, I'll change my tune. If, if I ever get a sponsorship okay. from them, um, but it's the convenience and never having to pay that insane premium at the at the um, at the uh, drugstore. That, we'll that's tell you later about how me. I don't have to pay an insane premium. <laughs> but then I also like supporting the the local guys, like the local Canadian the car raiser. There's uh, Ben and Sammy, uh, Ben Hunting and uh, Sammy Hajisad with the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. Yep. There's Sherry Primack with the Car Help Podcast. Um, oh, I've never, I haven't even heard that. Oh, one. Sherry's great. I'll, I'll I'll introduce you at some point. Yeah, I'd um, love to. I'll, I'll definitely check her and out. And I'm I'm. There's a couple more. I just can't remember. Oh, the Auto Guide Podcast. Jody hosts it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm into and that. You, Sometimes, right, of course. Like yeah, every once in a while, you're like when you when you're gonna slum yeah. it a bit, we throw on the Bucket Seat Podcast. Yeah. Um, speaking of, we are both going to be heading to LA this year for both the auto show and for Radwood. So are you coming to the show? I'm gonna try to come to the show if I'm able to. Oh, but, but you're my not doing priority, media day. No, so I'm not gonna do. Okay, I'm not gotcha. gonna do media day. My priority is Radwood. Oh, 100 percent. I we'll really want to check it out. Um, you know, I I love the guys at uh, Driving Well Awesome. I had Lane on last year, Lane Skelton from Driving Well Awesome, when they were. Uh, it was just prior to their second ever Radwood yep. and they've exploded. So dude, don't bother with the show then. then just go to Radwood, enjoy the roads mm. of LA for the other yeah. days you're there. Yeah. I think that's going to be really also, Did I can you only... really care to see the latest, whatever from Mitsubishi no. or at the show last year. It was really, it, it wasn't, there wasn't anything that I was all that interested in. I mean, you'll um, see it on the road or in a showroom in a month or two. Like really does it exactly. And then between like, Toronto you're not rushed for the coverage and... like we are. 
we're actually making like, yeah. the content which you don't care to make no i'm not that's definitely no. not going to be my game no. but we will see each other out in rad uh, sorry at radwood this yep. year uh that's december 2nd and it is going to be uh so it's in la it's at the peterson uh, it's at the peterson this year which is going to be Have phenomenal been i've never the been peterson? through the peterson oh. i'm just gonna yeah it's gonna be car nerdgasm there's a link to a gallery of the vault on clutch.ca that you should check out amazing i'm into it i'm gonna definitely check that out out. okay good shameless Um, plug uh speaking of shameless plugs um why don't you give everybody a chance to find you so where where can they find you on instagram and facebook and Uh, your website and all that stuff yeah all our social media channels are double clutch ca and the Mm -hmm. magazine is at www.doubleclutch.ca what as if yeah who'd have thought <laughs> that's awesome okay well listen um thank you so much addy for being on the show tonight um, hey thank you for having me i look forward to visiting you guys on your show tomorrow which will be out a lot sooner than this will um my first ever appearance on another podcast it's gonna yeah, be it'll so be much good. fun um i'll probably be really awkward because i'm not the one asking the questions finally oh, true, but yeah. um it's okay i'm happy to do that and i'll just kind of you know i'll 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 make my way lazily along and try to answer questions about cars that you guys know way more about than I do. Uh, it'll be fun though. Um, now also uh, make sure that you check out, um, as Addy said, doubleclutch.ca for all of the goodness that is uh, Double Clutch and um, you'll find both the reviews and uh, they've got a great embedded um, Shout Engine player for their podcast. So you can listen to it right from there or from Apple Podcasts and you guys are on Google Play too, right? Yes, we are. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, make sure you check them out. Um, that's it. This has been episode 53 of the Bucket Seat Podcast. Please do review, rate, subscribe to the show if you do like it. And you can find me all over the web at the Bucket Seat, be that Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And keep emailing me with all of your great feedback and episode suggestions at Trevor at thebucketseat.ca. I really appreciate it. I love everyone's feedback. I love the support. Everyone out there listening has been awesome. So thank you again. Uh, Thanks for listening. And until next time, stay tuned, guys. Cheers. Mm